it's a heaviness, and sometimes you don't know why until you uncover what it is that's making it so heavy. Welcome, welcome back, man. We back, moving around, changing locations. Changing locations, but keeping the love and the vibe the same. Vibrations all consistent. Part two for Dada. Part two. Idi Amin in the building. Idi <laughs> young, young Idi Amin is really? in the building. How'd you feel after, uh, how do you feel after uh, the first taping? Um, it was, I got the time to reflect on it. I, uh. Well, like it, fun though. It was fun. It was great okay. talking to y'all. Yeah. You really felt that was fun. I had a good. Is that a, is that a, is that an adjective you would use? Yeah. I okay. mean, and I think even like before and after, like they don't see you preparing, and then the conversations we have around the conversations we yeah. have. The fuckery. That. that happens around. Yeah, mainly yeah. from him. Mainly. Man, I accept that a little bit, but he's not to be left he's out of that right. either. It's, it's uh. Dipset and it's a uh, D block. So. D block. Yeah. So what did we do last time? Did we dipset it? We D we D set. I forget the <laughs> reference points. Which one's the one you're we supposed to do? We got to do both. We did both. We did both. We did both. I felt like I did both. I felt like there was points where I could have been more transparent, and I felt like I was just quoting Brene Brown stuff for a while. Uh, Listen, it was. Why do you Why do you think you did that? I'm not used to being on this side of anything. And when you say this side, what's this? What's I'm, I write. Okay. Right? And when you write, you have time to edit, think about things. And when you present it how you want it to present You present it. the way you want to and on your own terms. Yep. And this is different. Yeah. And, and thank you for, for referencing the writing piece because in the first, in part one, we talked a lot about motherhood, educator, and those kinds of things. And, I, and they're, 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 they all are parts of who you are, but the, what, I've, what I wanted to spend some time touching on this time is more of the, the, the other sides of you that not a lot of people get to see. Primarily, you know, the writing. I've gone to enough of your... Um, graduations and people who have asked to, <laughs> for you to write the commencement speech and and all of that and I am just always moved by your use of, of words and and what you can convey through them so um, when did you know you had a skill for writing and that was something you wanted to do sixth grade nice mrs. Nolan damn it was that clear it mm -hmm. was crystal yeah, we had a, I had been doing public speaking and poetry contests since first grade. Like, I'm going to get the blue ribbon. Like, I knew I could <laughs> speak, right? Like, that's the cockiness I came with, you know, second grade, third grade. Sixth grade, we had <laughs> a contest. What does freedom of speech mean to you? And That's a classic. Right? <clears throat> and, it, and the winner was going to go say their written piece on the radio. And I had just transferred to this public school from a private Christian school, and I was lost. 
and I wanted to not be seen, um, but I was like, hurry up and finish this, turn it in, we can go home. And Mrs. Nolan came to my desk like the next day. I was like, I need to talk to you. And she was like, your piece. And I'm like, and classically, I don't remember anything I've written, and that's still the way it is now. Like I'll go back and read my pieces and be like, I wrote that? It sounds like me. <laughs> um, and it was like, what the freedom of speech means to me is I have the right to, you know, like I, and I, I can still say it now if I wanted to. But she was like, this is beautiful. I want you to go do it on the radio. Mm. And the way Mrs. Nolan acknowledged me was also part of it. Whenever I wrote something from then on and she really, like, you know, you turn your papers in and the teacher's sitting at the desk reading it, she would look up and she would wink. And that affirmation, like, oh, I did it again. Like, I've, d I've written something that has landed with, like, it changed everything. Like, I was wanting that wink. I was wanting mm. that affirmation. That, but I realized I could get it. So, like, I became the eighth grade graduation speaker. To your point, I was the graduation speaker for every graduation I've ever been a part of. <laughs> yeah. um, and I wow. knew, I would know, like, if there's something to write and to speak, I got it. Like, and um, it was just simple for me. It was, it, it became something that was not necessarily always easy, but it was simple. And yeah. I never had to really work at it. I remember being in 10th grade in my t new school again, and teachers like, write about... Um, he picked something. He was like cows, and so everybody was like cows. Cows chew grass. Cow, and I was like, "Do you eat me?" You know, like I just went like all left. <laughs> and Do you eat me? No, me. Like I just became like the cow, like being oppressed and being you know right. violated. And, and this was tenth grade. This was tenth grade, and my teacher was like, "This went dark fast." Right. Um, but I was like, I don't want to write what's what's simple. I want to go. I want to go there. Um. So yeah, I kind of always have had. As you're talking about your your writing, I feel like it's I feel like it's what happens to me at times when I'm trying to create something. It's I won't necessarily have a thought or idea about something, or if I do, it's a it's like a spark. But if I focus on it, I can actually create this world that I get to live in. My the worlds that I create are more like sound. But yours, and I think we talked about this, and pictures. Yeah. And yours, I think, is more like with words. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm yes. a lover of words. That's interesting how uh, how human beings function like that. Like, there's a part of it that is, I mean, both of them are expressions. Mm -hmm. But, you know, whether you gravitate, and they, they seem to be a lot of times the same expression. But some people gravitate towards the written word because of, y'all know, something they were exposed to early on. Some people gravitate towards, you know, more visual audio because of, you know, because me, I, I'm like that too. Like, but I always pinpointed to the fact that I always had music playing, even as far as the back as I can remember. Mm -hmm. So I always think and create in sort of these visual audio kind of mm -hmm. realms. But, you know, uh, I had to learn through school how to be able to express that through Writing, and I kind of approached it the same way. Anytime there was a piece to write, I tried to think of the most unobvious thing to, yeah. to approach to it and then start from there and come through. But it's interesting how, you know, those expressions sort of... Yeah. I think a lot on. of it, is, like you said, is, is nurture. Like yeah. where, where you come up, how you come up, what yep. you're exposed to. Yep. Um, 
and that shapes the part of you that may come easy or the part that you that you work towards yep. kind of highlighting. Now, Miss Nolan. Mrs. Nolan. Mrs. Mm -hmm. Nolan, I'm sorry. Have you ever gone back to try to find her? I reached out to her like ninth or 10th grade, maybe even right before I graduated to thank her. Mm. Because by that point, I was starting to win like scholarship money for my writing. Wow. And um, she had like two or three daughters that they were kind of close to me. They were a little bit older in high school. And I, she just was a nurturer. And she, you know, when becoming an English teacher, that was the English teacher I wanted to be. Like I cared how my students read and how they wrote, but I cared most that they thought that I saw them. Mm -hmm. I, th I thought that just, that changed everything. Like I went on to be a really good writer in high school. Don't really remember those teachers. They gave me the good grades. I just, re I really remember resonating with her because of how she made me feel as like a human. And that became important in that, like it matters in the classroom if your teacher likes you. Yeah. It really, truly does. Yeah. And if you feel yeah. like they see you, and, it, and right. even yeah. if you don't, even if you don't respond in the way that the teacher wants you to, mm -hmm. which is my case. <laughs> <laughs> Still? James Plowright. We had the only school in, v in Kansas City that had an African-American history class in high school, bro. And Mr. Plowright was the teacher. And this was, and if a man was going, and this is, he got to make up the curriculum. So imagine mixing Ivan Van Sertema with um, Anthony Browder mixed with, you know. And this is a high school course. Malcolm X, this is a high yeah. school. And this yeah. dude, and he would sit us in class and he developed the own curriculum. He would print papers out. He would have having us read like the ISIS papers. And, what is the black house? And shit like, yeah. Okay, well, sorry. black yeah. meaning hood, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. But <laughs> underperforming school. Right, exactly. <laughs> he was one of the teachers that stood out more to me than anything and that I, I didn't necessarily do well in his class, because that's but I didn't do well in any class. But once I got my <laughs> shit together, I always remembered him and I had and I made sure that I went back to him after I lived here. I put a suit on and I got real mm -hmm. clean and found out what school he went to, or what he was teaching at, and went there, man, and I just told him, thank you. Did he recognize you? Oh, he remembered me, yeah. Mm. You were that dude. Yeah, I mean. To that point, I went back to my 10th grade teacher to say, Kim, he didn't recognize me. Who the hell the same, though. I was like, I didn't have the same impact on you that you had, you know, it was like one of those That's moments. Fun. There's but, a, but, a um, there's a, um, made me think of a podcast that just came out called Unsung Heroes, and it's like these five minute episodes of people thanking the person that changed their life. It's, it's, and, and for all of the teachers that I do know who feel like their work is like in vain or isn't the educational system and the parents and the, and, the, and the students is a force. And sometimes you feel like your little part yeah. isn't significant. Yep. And it's important, I think, to remind educators that it does land even when it doesn't look like it's landing. Yeah, yeah. even like... Sometimes it's administered. Sometimes it's just like that school, wherever that school is, whether it's elementary, middle school, or high school, is a place where you go every day. And those people, sometimes it's the, because I had a guy who was the janitor, you know, who really, you know, 
understood because I was at a time I moved from around here to go to an all-white school on Capitol Hill. Mm. Only black kid in class, literally. That's crazy. And this janitor, and the teacher was black, though. She, Miss Smith, she was super cool. This janitor would see me, like, alone, like, trying to figure, I'm from, and I'm seeing kids getting dropped off by limousines coming to school. You know what I'm saying? Like, car mm. services, bringing them to school, and I'm riding a bus. Like, it's a whole different setup. Mm. And this guy would connect with me and, and, and be like, you good? He would just check. It wasn't no, like, he didn't have no, it wasn't no, like, no movie where he was the magic Negro and he had yeah. all this knowledge to him. He couldn't part. read your mind. Exactly. He ain't, he ain't come give me a magic bean and I planted it. And then be, he was just like, you good? You all right? You, how you doing, man? You all right? And then that was enough to get me through that was enough. to the next day. And sometimes it's just, though, sometimes it's like counselors. I mean, it's, it's just always somebody that has a, that I always think that the universe puts in your space to move you in a direction that you need to go, even if you ignore it and don't do it, it's there and it's planted a seed. And eventually, after all the while and all the other stuff, you come back to it and be like, okay, this is where, this is where I'm supposed to be going. But you know what? In movies, fuck it up. But that's magic. Yeah, it is. It's magic. It is. That is, that is magic. Yep. The fact that somebody saw to be seen yeah, is man. a magical moment. Yep. No matter where it's coming from, yeah. man. And to yeah. feel like that. Yeah, exactly. And we, you know, and as we move through a lot of this shit, I be trying to find, like, the beauty in, like, the smallest of things because it really does exist everywhere. And we want to wait for it to be, you know, this big shit. Like you know? in the movies. Like in the movies. Yep. But, you know, life it's, is so, to me, life is yeah. so much better yeah. than movies. And yeah. like you said. It's the ordinary yep. things. Yep, that's right. And so, you don't recognize it in the moments, but at some point it, 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 it impacts you. And yep. those ordinary things are huge moments yep. in your existence. It was the wink for me. I didn't, yeah. you know, she just would be like. Now that was the modern day equivalent of a like. Yeah. Right? A, a thumbs, thumbs up. up. Mm-hmm. Right. But, and it was like, just between. It was a connection. It was between and We don't get that in our lives. Nah. We don't. And that was something you said um, in the last one where you were talking about seeing people or, or speaking to our kids. And, and, and even being able to, when I opened up the, the topic and you were saying, no, I just need to digest this. We don't, we're not comfortable taking, I don't can't remember exactly the words you used. Oh, but it was like, taking you know, it, like taking take it in, in. acknowledgement. Yeah. Somebody's seeing you great and acknowledging you, take that in. That's a magical Your, your complaint moment. later is going to be, I don't, I'm not, nobody cares that I yeah. do all this stuff. But right. when people are caring, you're not like letting right. it land. That's very true. As, as a matter of fact, you almost like balk at it because you're not used to it. <laughs> yeah. We're taught to. We're right. taught like that. Be be humble. Be modest. Brush it off on someone else. That's all well and fine. We don't do anything alone, but right. we do do things. Yeah. And when you acknowledge it, you're not just acknowledging your achievement. You're acknowledging all the people that help you yeah. get there. So when you token, when you take it and soak it in, you're taking all of the people who. Yeah. Who've had your back, yeah. the winks, all of that, and you're acknowledging that they did for the sake of exactly. And when you knock it, you also knocking exactly. all of that shit yep. that helped you get there. Yep. So to go back to the writing piece, 
you said it came easy to you, right? Mm-hmm. When did you decide that you actually wanted to start writing like stories and formulating these characters? Were these things that were popping up in Never. your head? My novel was the first time I wrote characters. And when was that? 2015 okay. or 16. And Before that, I just wrote about whatever I was experiencing. And so the part that it came easy, but then I wanted to work at it. So like my desk had my dictionary with my name emblazoned in gold and I kept a pocket dictionary. Like I became like a lover of words. And if you were gonna read something that I wrote, you were gonna be like, damn. Like that's the that's what I wanted. I wanted you to read it and be like, a ninth grader wrote this, a 12th grader wrote this, you know, yeah, 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 I wanted the wink. Impact, yeah. And so I worked for it, and um, I think that's part of it, too, like, you can, it's like when a parent sees the skill in their child, and then you just don't be like, oh, they're great, you just, you go now, like, let's find a coach, let's find a mint, let's put them, Mm -hmm. and that's what I was able kind of to do with, with words for myself, and, um, but the characters, I, so there's something called NaNoWriMo, and so, it's <laughs> National Novel Writing Month, and um, you might remember. What's what I remember. As soon as you said it, <laughs> yeah. I, I remember this crazy so, shit. Listen, to what's the acronym again? NaNoWriMo. It's N A N O W R I, like right M O. National Novel Writing Month. It's in November. Okay, okay. And the goal is fifty thousand words in thirty days. Like by one person. Yeah, so the goal is to write a novel in thirty days. So I initially nice. took this challenge on. <laughs> And remember, I lost my computer. I got my computer stolen, so I was in the middle of it. I was all excited. I was doing these write nights, and I come out of a turnstile in D.C. looking for my metro ticket. Set my laptop down. I'm going to a writing event, and I walk out, and then I get to like, you know, the top of Pennsylvania Avenue, and I'm like, something's missing, and I'm like, <gasps> and it's my laptop. And the only thing I could think of, you know, and I've had this computer for years, is that my story's on there, like 20,000, 30,000 words deep. And I, I was like, you know, it gutted me. Um, but so that might have been 15. And so 16, I was like, I'm going to do it. What's the month? What month is it? November. Okay. And um, I said, I'm going to write a story. And I'd never, ever attempted a novel before. And I'd never, ever attempted a story before. Like, I wasn't used to writing characters. But I just had this goal. And so I sat down and started writing. And the, the wow about it was that the story told itself. Like, I would, mm. I would be writing this story and be like, I wonder what's going to happen next. Like, I just, I didn't know. And I was surprised by what these characters would do. Excuse me. And, um... At the end, I grieved these characters. Like, I felt like they'd been with me. I knew them intimately. I'd watched them go through some things, and I was done. So sixty, I got to 60,000 words, and I was finished, and I had to walk away from them. And so it was, like, sad in a way. I, I, I was surprised by the story. I loved the story. Um, but I had never created a universe before that way. And... Um, yeah, it was like I did it. Like I won Nano, National Novel Writing Month, and it three, four, you five. Won? I mean, you win if you do the fifty thousand oh, words. Okay, like you okay, don't like okay. get a prize. You just get to okay. be like you get to say you did. You get to put on Facebook like that you're a winner of the national. Yeah, yeah. Like so, okay. um, you know, I, like I printed my manuscript out. I have the first one with all these edits, and then I spent three years editing it. 
Mm. And I still have done nothing with it, but. Um, what? I know. We'll get there. All right. Winter. <laughs> Winter. You pulling I, it back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still holding the. Anybody else would have found a target already, right? But I'm holding. But the, you know, I think we all been there in that way. But sometimes the target is letting it go. Yeah, and this story. The target is the universe. Is it being in the universe, not necessarily hitting a yeah a bullseye. Yeah. It's just being. Because that is a point, though. Perfection. Yeah. And I feel like you one of them kind of people. I didn't know I was. Like, I'm like learning that now. Well, he, he's a Virgo. It comes innately for him. Exactly. That's how he recognizes it. Oh. <laughs> I'm, See, af- a, I'm afraid of this is This is all yeah. happening right now, new. Y'all didn't know this. Yeah. It's, it's a... And, and, and you say it all the time that the only way you know is if you recognize it. Cause I'm, I'm. it's a perfect, it's a perfection thing, and it's really an excuse. It's an excuse that we gen. Let me rephrase that. Yeah, it's no, an excuse that I generate. No, you. Can- and it's a fear. Oh, absolutely. And this story, what came out was a deeply personal story to the point mm-hmm. where like the. Two people have read it was like, oh, this is you. And I'm like, it's not me. <laughs> How dare you? I'm not in this story. And they're like, you know. Um, you want to share that? So let, let me ask you this, though, before, before you share it. So just for the, the Internet and, and the Google machines. So they're in writing, right? As you talk about your writing, as you started to write more like just writing, right? And as it developed into stories that are developed into characters that are developed into novels story writing break that down because a lot of times people write but there's so many sort of i don't know ways that I have people a, write you just write i just write so when did you transition from your writing into an actual novel that day that i decided to do now so novel being that it's character based is that what a novel is based. That's yeah, what I'm asking. It's fiction. Yeah. yeah. So a novel is just a, a, a body of writing that is fiction. Mm-hmm. That okay. is character based, right? Yeah. So it has to be, and it's longer than just a short story or a story. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I'd never even written a short story before. That's character based. That's but you've written based. stories. I've written about things in the world. I've written stories. I've okay. written about relationships. Okay. Right? But all of it was factual. I've always written nonfiction. Okay. And the day I decided to do Nano- National Novel Writing Month and realized it's a novel, I realized I'm going to have to write fiction. Let's see what happens. Yeah, that's, that's, that's deep. Okay. I didn't have a blueprint. And I, I kind of try to remind myself that the greats, the, those that I admire, didn't Google how to do this. No. They just did it. And they wrote crap. And then they Often. wrote good stuff. And yeah. then they wrote crap again. Yeah. <laughs> but they and put it out there. It was just what it is. Like Octavia Butler, you know, I remember they, they had like this journal of hers and she was just like, I will go on to be a best-selling writer and da 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 And she just wrote out what she was going to do. And it's beautiful to read. And then you know what she did? She wrote. <laughs> like that's what, it's the discipline. Um, and, you know, and I used to do morning pages from the artist's way. Like you wake up, you write three pages before your feet even hit the ground. Like you just. But what do you do with all that? 
nothing. I have journals upon journals upon journals upon journals. Like, sorry for when I die and people want to go through my stuff. Cause I read my shit. Reading, right. I, I First read. of all, getting through my penmanship. But like, if my children want to know their mother, it's oh. documented. So do you think sixth grade on. You don't think, you do you think that you don't sort of release it because well, of what we... I'm afraid. And I also just, because of that, it gives me a great excuse for not knowing how. So if anyone would like to publish my book, you can reach me. You know, like, I mean, like, <laughs> I've, 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 I've sent it to a couple of folks and mm -hmm. they came back and said, we only do this type of novel or we only publish this. And I'm like, I don't know what this is. I don't know where it goes. But I also haven't like taken the time to really like, here's the pitch, here's where it's going to go. And this is mm. how to make it happen. I kind of like, it's there. <laughs> we all, we, listen, we all got that. Don't, there's a, and I never really understood like when people say you're afraid of your own success until you're faced with it, until you just yeah. like, I'm making excuses about shit that I know I can do really well. Yeah. I was clear on the fact that I was afraid to succeed. I was way more comfortable with failing because that was something that was comfortable, comfortable and expected and almost like the baseline. Interesting. The, me trying was never because I was afraid to fail because that's all I ever did for the most part. But do you think you didn't try or you were just, you were just failing before you even launched? Yeah, or do you or, think or, that you were trying but knowing that you were going to fail? You ever, you know, when you, you play basketball yourself. and you shoot the ball and you know you ain't going to make it, but you <laughs> shoot the motherfucker anyway? You, you know there's no confidence in what you're doing. <laughs> you shoot because somebody told you to shoot and then right. you just shoot. You just, and then when it don't the, hit, you be like, I knew I wasn't going to hit it anyway. The stakes are low in that. What happens when you feel like the stakes are higher? Now, now there's environments that I'm in where... I don't consider that I'm going to fail. Like, I don't even think about it. Like, the, the, when I gave the graduation speech, I stood up there, and I just was like, I'll wait for them to get quiet because I'm, I'm about to say something that they want to hear. And I felt that. I wasn't, like, afraid. I wasn't nervous. I didn't think I was going to mess up. And then with this book, and I think there's something between... Like, this book shows up raw and exposed and vulnerable, and me on stage is like a caricature of me. I'm dressed up, I'm yeah. dolled up, yeah. I've written it out, I know what I'm going to say. I've, yeah. I, I, you know, I, you prepared this, it. This stage is, I'm comfortable in. Yeah, I'm prepared, and so I would be surprised if it went awry there. I'm almost setting myself up for the for it to go awry here, and I don't know how to handle that. But what is the stakes, though? What, what do you mean the stakes are higher? <clears throat> what if they don't like me? What if I offend someone? What if you don't get that we win? saw it in the last interview where you, he asked you the question and I got nervous for you. I didn't want you to have to defend your choices as a parent. Right. I could hear the parents that would come to me and go, I want this for my child too. I just don't know. And so I feel like I don't want to make you upset. I don't want, and that's like, that's some old stuff where I've, you know, I yeah. don't want people to not like me. I don't right. want to step on toes. And, um, I'm telling a story in this book that is honest and difficult and will expose a part of me that I've never put on display. Mm. Would you like to share what that is? Yeah. 
Sure. So the book is Aphotic Waters. <laughs> I can't fucking pronounce it right. I remember when so she I'm, said that. I know that ain't it. Whatever it is, I know that ain't it. That ain't the name of that. What's the name of the book? What's the name of the word? I entitled it Aphotic Waters. Shut it's, up. It's See, <laughs> I told you. I know that ain't what it is. It ain't sound right. It ain't sound right. I know that ain't what it is. I know that word ain't sound Fucking right. Hate. It sound different when you said it. It <laughs> sound like a word when you said it. It sound like. I remember when she wrote I was like, what the hell is that? Here you go again <laughs> writing shit. Because I thought she spelled it wrong. So I'm being he like. Did. He tried to spell check me on it. <laughs> trying to spell you mean aquatic, motherfucker? She's like, no, aphotic. What is that? Um. It's like the deep waters. It's uh, she couldn't just say that. Part though. of the place, like and think of the like the bowels of the ocean that you don't have access to. Like we'll mm. never really know what goes on there. And that's aphotic. That's what that. Yeah. That's <laughs> what that word means. Mm-hmm. So how did that relate to when you when you said it was a part of you that you didn't want to that you had never shared you, before? Like what? How 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 long have I repressed this? How long mm. have I pushed this down into the bowels of my own life? Mm. How long has this been un- unexposed? How long has no daylight hit? And that's a literal expression of what I've dealt with. Mm. Um, so it's based on a girl <clears throat> who is a youth development worker in Washington, D.C., and she runs a youth program, and she's gone to um, great lengths to kind of make her vision come true for this work that she's doing. And it's told in four different ways. It starts off with a flashback to her on the dance floor with a boy that she is over the moon for. And the setup is that something happens on this dance floor dance floor that's traumatic and she's run she's sent running out of the room. Mm. It moves forward to her in her, you know, studio apartment in DC, getting ready for work, um, living the life she lives. It's told in real time with a knock at the door from the same boy from college, and he showed up almost 10 years later after what you realize is something that's traumatic that's happened that's not from the dance floor, something bigger than that. Mm. And then it's back told from how he ends up at her door. Um, and then it flashes back to her childhood and her college years for how she became who she became. When you say flashback, flashback to him? Her, or? her and her mother, her okay, growing okay, up, okay, her okay. family life. So you get to know. And, and it's really a young woman dealing with a condition called trichotillomania. So she pulls her hair out. Mm. And I pull my hair out, right? And so the, the character is not me. Yes, I'm, I've worked youth development. Yes, I've lived in Washington, D.C., and I pulled on a lot of the things. Again, one month, 50,000 words. We're going to figure something out, right? <laughs> no, I pulled on what I knew. And, um, but then I created this character who, living with the same type of disorder, um, it shows up in her life in a myriad of ways and impacts her work, her personal life, her professional life. Um, and it's a, but it's a love story at heart. It's a love story between her and herself. Mm. Um, and her and the people in her life. <clears throat> and um, I've written pieces about me pulling my hair out. Like I wrote one, it was published on Elephant Journal some years ago. But I can still kind of avoid that conversation. Um, you can know me for years and maybe not notice that I've never, ever, ever wear my hair down without having something on my head. Um, 
I've been in relationships that have ended and I realized I haven't told them and they never asked, right? So that level of like exposure in this novel, you know, it was, I love the story. I love, like I've reread the book a couple times and I really like it. I don't know where it goes in the world. Like I don't know, again, what genre, whatever. But there's some, there was something really freeing in watching this character in Jasa go through what she's gone through. Um, and it's a condition that's not necessarily curable. So you live with it and she lives with it. And um, I think, you know, I think there was something liberating in it for me, but it did not liberate me. There was something freeing in writing it and I, I saw it, I just don't know that I pursued it. You saw the opportunity mm -hmm. and... For example, I showed up on the first day of grad school bald. I was, like I get to these points where I'm like, I can't do this no more, I gotta cut my hair off. And grad school, I walked in and they were like, hello, welcome, and had, you know, were none the wiser. And I went to class like that for that first year until my hair grew back out and then I started covering my hair again. So there's like these episodic periods where I feel really confident in just being authentically with this. And then there's times where I'm like, I just don't want to deal with it and I'm going to cover up. Is there any, I know this about you, Karen. So thank you for sharing it. Yeah. And, um, and just creating the space to just even being okay with even talking about it and trusting us, you know, more than more than anything to 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 even have the conversation. But do, do you feel uh, is there any shame that you feel shame? Is there sure behind it? I, have I said the name of it yet? Yeah. Okay. So um, and it's, it's you call it trick for short, right? Yeah, trichotillomania. It's called Trick for, for Short. It's an obsessive body um, disorder. And it shows up in pulling out your eyelashes or your eyebrows or the hair, or really just hair anywhere. And um, whenever I tell the story, there's always somebody in the room that goes, I have that too. Mm. Or I didn't know there was a name to that. Or yeah. I, no, one, I, no one ever talks about this. I didn't know that I could. The shame is like it's something that you do to yourself, mm. right? So like I remember being in high school, and thank God for like crisscross when they had like those slits in their eyebrows, <laughs> right, like in the mid-90s. Because an indicator of stress for me is I would pull my eyebrows out to the point where I'd have like these slits, mm -hmm. and I just would walk around like I had done it intentionally. And it wasn't probably till a year later that I realized, like I would look in the mirror and be like, where are my eyebrows? I didn't figure out that I had it till mid-college, where I had like this dime-sized spot in my head that was bald. And I had a really, really short haircut, and I kept feeling like, what? Why don't I have any hair? Ignore it, ignore it. My curls are long enough. I moved to D.C., and after a spell of like just pulling my hair out, pulling my hair out, I decided to go onto the internet. And that was one of the first things I ever remember researching. And I found this... Dr. Neil Barnett, she was an African-American woman studying trichotillomania, and I just read article after article what she posted about it. And I specifically wanted to know about me because, you know, for black women, your hair is your crown. You know, like there's, you know, sitting at between your mother's legs, getting your hair parted and dug in your forehead and burning your ears. And <laughs> like, there's, like there's rituals to this. Yeah. 
for us to end up on the other side of having this confidence around our hair. And so I didn't, you know, I didn't really have to go through the natural hair thing because I'd always kept my hair natural. But there was nobody talking about pulling out your hair. Mm. And um, so when I found out that there was a name, whew, something lifted. Mm. And then something still was closed. Like now there's a name for it, but like if you Google it, all none of these people look like me. I went to a conference on it once. And I went into the bathroom and I bawled like a child, like a like somebody had stole my favorite toy and I didn't know why I was crying. And I was the only, maybe one other black person was there. But these women, these girls, these men, they were just free. They were walking around with no hair and you know, like just like the world was their playground and confident and I couldn't relate to any of it. Mm. So I had my hair braided and up or, and I was, looking for someone else to have this expression of how it showed up and it, it wasn't there. So like the, the importance of this book to me, what I want to do with this story is have the young people or the woman my age or older or whatever who are dealing with it recognize themselves in the story and say, me too. Mm-hmm. When, did you, when did you start pulling your hair out? I think around 10. I don't remember it being, in, you know, impacted by some incident, but again, my eyebrows in high school were the first indicator, but I think there was a moment when I was a little bit younger that I recall, I don't really know. Is it, is it stress-driven? It can be. It can be boredom-driven, it can be stress-driven, it could be I look up and I'm in a zone and I, I look on, and my keyboard is littered with my hair and I don't know that I've done it. Um, so you don't feel it when you're necessarily doing. Sometimes there's it's very ritualistic. Mm. Um, it's looking for the perfect hair. It has this this you'll feel you'll know it when you feel it. There's a there's a sensation if you pull it out just right and the bulb is still attached and I'll twirl it and I mean th- there's just such a ritual to it and I get aggravated if I don't get the right piece the right way so I do it again only to say, okay, if I do, I'm going to stop, but then I don't. I feel like it's like any other behavior where you're overdoing something. Um, But there's such a ritual to it uh, that if I get in that zone, that headspace, I understand and recognize it. But there's other times where I'm like mad and I'm pulling and I look up and I'm like, I'm littered with my hair and I'm like, I didn't see that happening. I mean, is it related to any other, those kinds of Obsessive compulsive disorder. it's not it, like the DVM like six doesn't classify that it as that anymore. I think it used to. Skin picking, um, you know, nail biting, all of those kind of fall into those repetitive behavior. Yeah. Um, and yeah. for me, my hair doesn't grow back anymore. So where it started out with that dime size, um, most people, I think the experience is like they're they'll pull. And then the hair will go back, they'll cover it up to let it grow. And then, but as soon as I pulled it the first time, every time, except for my eyebrows, it never grows back. So everywhere I've pulled over for the past 25 years is not without hair. How do you feel you're uh, managing, managing it now? Some years are better than others. Like there's sometimes where there's really long stretches where I don't, I'm like, Oh, I forgot I had that until I go in the mirror. But um, <laughs> and then there's times where, like, even like last week, I reached out to a friend, like, I'm pulling, 
and she has it too. And we've done things like there's these bands for like thumb suckers, like that like kind of vibrate if you, and you can program it to where your hand, if it goes to your trigger area, mm. it will shake. Yeah. We couldn't get the thing programmed, so it's still in this box. Um, but you know, like there's <laughs> things that you try to do to compensate. I, you know, the idea that it'll never stop is there, and I'm okay with that. But there's some days where it's like, I really wish I could wear my hair down. And like, that's a big deal. Um, and then there's some days where I'm like, you know, I have friends that are like, don't cut your hair off a shade, your hair's getting long. And I'm like, I know. And they know that I'll get to that point and be like, <laughs> and then I'll rock a baldy and be good, but yeah. no one will know it's yeah. not me trying to have a fashion statement. Right. Excuse me, statement. With your circle of people, is there something that like your friends and family can do to kind of like help or support? When it was bad, when it was like really bad and it was compounded by like depression, when people would tell me to take my hands out of my head, it would ignite rage. And that was only them trying to help, but I couldn't help it and so it didn't help. Um, but mostly people don't really know or don't see me. I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't do it in public. Obviously it's not something that anyone will ever be the wiser on. So I would probably have to tell someone, Hey, I'm going through this. Can you support me like this? Or like, can I come over and hang out? So you, you mentioned, um, depression. Is that something that you, mm -hmm. That, that kind of like goes <laughs> with it. Yeah, I don't know the correlation perhaps. Um, but that's been like a lifelong journey. So by the, t the, the last, you know, like I'm not attached to diagnoses. Like that's not, right, right. Like I don't walk around going, oh, I have. Because yeah. <laughs> um, I have times where I'm sad and I have times when I'm not. Yep, yeah. You know, like. And the last time I was really, really sad, they said it was major depressive disorder. And when I want to feel sad, I remind myself of that, like, as an excuse. Well, you know you have. <laughs> and that's my coping mechanism. You to got kind the of, name. Yeah. You got, the, you got the, uh, the title. Yeah, yeah. So I can lean on in that if I feel like leaning on in that. Yeah. Um, and when I want to be a pity party, I, I go, well, why don't people remember that I have that? Right. I think once you get those uh, labels, it's easy to do that. Yeah. And kids do it. I mean, they get these labels and they... And parents are looking for labels. Yeah. But what we're really looking for as parents, I think, is answers. Well, I, true. But I've also seen sometimes uh, parents want labels so they can have pity party for their children. Or they can get funding to exactly. go somewhere else or to get the... Yeah, exactly. I get it. It's a very complicated web. It is. It's complex. Because yeah. they have, you know, some parents have their own things that they're dealing with. They yeah. haven't really understood. So, of course, they're going to heap that same thing onto their kids. And so it becomes a, yeah. a odd. It, it's, it's complex, man. You know, speaking to parents, Linda's her mom's name. 
how was that? And I, I don't even know. I, I'm, that's what I'm just saying, that. Yeah, I um, I don't remember how my family, how I told them. I know that they knew I was struggling with something in college. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually left my freshman year. After the first year at Tuskegee, my freshman year, I, I went home severely depressed and thought I wasn't going to go back. And I did go back, and I struggled some more. And even my freshman year, I remember calling my mom like, you know, I got a, I have a counselor now, and he's going to let me work with the student orientation, and that saved my life. Like, you know, I can, I can tell the story. I was the first freshman to be a student orientation leader, but the real story is I was seeing him as a therapist, and he thought this would be a good outlet for me. Mm. You know, I wasn't specially chosen for this role. He connected that this might be a good place. And he was right. And he, that, that trajectory of like working with my peers never ended. Like I, I've stayed working with that age group and I've just aged up. Mm-hmm. Um, but telling my mom that I found somebody to talk to was just like, oh good, because you sound like you're in need of someone to talk to. So, I mean, I come from a family where you know, talking about how you feel wasn't on the table almost. Like, I don't remember that as a thing. Yeah. Like most families. Most families. But I did find out um, when I was in my junior high school or maybe 10th grade, my cousin committed suicide. Mm -hmm. And she, uh, I later found out that she had trichotillomania. Mm -hmm. And I felt like relief because I had definitely there had been times where I thought that maybe I shouldn't be here and I could go and nobody would care and mm-hmm. and I thought oh she obviously acted on that yeah. but she was also she also had this other thing that we had in common and I felt closer to her somehow like we weren't necessarily very close I might have been 15 she was 19 in college or 18 and but then I started wondering, like, does this run in family, our family history? You know, like, there's all kind of questions that come up. Um, I don't know that that was a disclosure that created any more conversation in my family around it, but I was aware at that point that there was something in our family. My grandfather had really severe depression. He had shock therapy after his last brother died. Mm. I remember him shutting down catatonic-like. And and then I just remember being in the hospital and him talking about shock therapy. And I remember him on the other side of it. He came out of it, you know. And so there's always been this relationship I've had with Western mes- medicine. Like, I think most people are. Yeah. That's complicated. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Like, maybe we would have lost my grandfather to that had he yeah. not gone through this crazy thing called shock therapy. <laughs> so how do you feel like you're writing relates to that or is connected to that? Two ways. My journal obviously takes most of the brunt of whatever I'm dealing with. Um, But then when I was writing these characters, I had, I was pulling from all those places too, right? Um, I don't necessarily, there was a time I wasn't writing around, writing anything that was bright and sunny. Everything was like... (laughs) 
dark and heavy Ooh, and yeah. yeah and i i recognized that but i also felt more comfortable writing there and i think that i kind of still feel comfortable the other part of this fiction story is that there is tragedy in it and i have and i was very comfortable going there do you feel like that it's uh, uh any level of release or cathartic at all writing yeah. even in your journals you wrote it out yeah i so do you're not like carrying it around mm -hmm. i do um i noticed that the times that i end up like really severely underwater mm -hmm. i haven't been writing at all mm. and then i have to write my way out yeah. yeah i think that's one of the first thing i do when i'm in one of those dark places is i get a new journal do you uh in your connection with other people, um, do you find that that's their outlet as well? I mean, is there a... Yeah, I think if someone says that they write or they journal, like that they've, uh, they've often found that as a place of release. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's why some of your best writers are some of the darkest, most complicated people, right? Yeah. That yeah. are just dealing with some stuff. Yeah. And thank, you know, thank gods for the pen. Yeah you know, for that yeah. outlet. Musicians too, like these yeah. artists that deal with, you know, on this plane, this realm, these things, and they find a talent for figuring out how to have other people identify with it and feel not so alone in it, perhaps. Yeah, because we talked about that a few episodes ago, how uh, there is quote-unquote constructive ways dealing with that you know, those sorts of things, those feelings. And then there's destructive ways mm -hmm. to deal with yeah. it where you want to, like, forget it or cover it up or uh, medicate it, right? Um, but writings, it almost seems like the, sometimes when you express it in a way, it's different than you trying to medicate it. Like, you're trying to dull the pain through, you know, destructive ways or whatever, as opposed to you you know, sort of, exp or feeling like that you're getting it out yeah. is a sort of different exercise, it seems like. I remember being kind of like ghosted by this dude a couple years ago. <laughs> and every day that I expected him to call, I went in my journal and wrote, Dear John. Nice. And I went back one day and I was like, I did this for 12 days. And I just wrote to him what I thought that we would talk about if he had called. Yeah. Hmm. Now I could have gone on and started stalking his social media or blowing up his phone or yeah, yeah. so I think it was like a healthy way for me to deal with it. And then yeah. by day 12, I was just like done. Yeah. 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 But, um, I'm glad I had that foresight to do something that served me and then didn't do a disservice to him. Right. Right. Or disservice to you or disservice to me. <laughs> yeah. When you talked about the, um, contrast between your like public speaking confidence and how you write in that arena and the aphotic waters piece and, and and like what your what your you quote unquote parts are and your discomfort with sharing that Both of those people are you. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that one, and that, and that super confident person, 
is the one that's also writing aphotic water, who's putting all of that energy and focus into it. And some days I remember that. Like, well, I remember the first day I gave it to somebody to read, and I was like, you got to read this joint. Like, this is it. And then as I went back and read it over, I was like, don't show that to anybody. Just pretend like I never sent it to you. And they were like, are you okay? I was like, you probably shouldn't even read. Like, I just, like, flipped it on myself based on how I was feeling that day or. Mm. Did you realize when you, I'm sorry, when you realized when you were writing it that it was, um, like, you were more connected to it than you initially thought? Or did you, like, read it back and was like, uh uh-oh? I I probably cried 25 days out of those 30 days in that month. Mm. Every time a character endured something, I had to go through it. Mm. But did you recognize it that that you were going through it again? Yeah, it felt... Even the things that I was making up, like, these weren't true... Some some parts were tangential to my real life, but most of it I was just making up, and I... But I knew that feeling. Mm. I, I could empathize with what was happening. And I would bawl. I would mm. be ty- There were surprises happening as I typed them. Like, I would write something and realize, oh, my gosh, that's why she did what she did. And yeah. it would, like, and I would be gutted by it. But I'm writing. I'm making this up. But I'm surprised by what's happening here. So there, yeah. I think there was just things I was pulling out mm. in the aphotic places I mm. exist in. That word again. And that's how that title came. I was just like, there's stuff here I didn't know I had to unearth. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, that's wild. It's a, it's a heaviness. And sometimes you don't know why until you uncover what it is that's making it so heavy. And, and sometimes it's not, it's not really a matter of digging deep. It's just a matter of the right like situation and the right thing happening and then it just pops up and yeah sometimes it's a matter of just sitting still and getting rid of the noise of everything else that's happening that is right that is right that's why i think meditation is important i mean it's not like a doesn't have to be a big production but the goal may be of like sitting still for 20 minutes to give your brain two minutes of free space yeah yeah so that things can rise up to the surface so that answers can come that you've asked questions of yep and you know i uh Man, I remember like going through shit and as soon as I feel it like that tingle of it coming up, I immediately go to the most destructive shit yeah. that I can do. Like make it go away. I just wanted to I just want to medicate. I just wanna make you know what I'm saying? Away. Whatever I need to do to make it like to and I felt shitty about the destructive behavior, but I did it. So I can feel shitty about that and not feel that thing Mm -hmm. that's bubbling up until I said, I'm going to sit still. I'm tired of not and let it. And and the as it comes up, the pain and the shit that comes up, there's an answer in that. There there is the solution. How do you know when you need to let it come? Like. I don't fucking know, man. <laughs> and that's, um, that's what I've grappled with my whole life. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I still, like, some things, I sort of, at some point, like I said, I just got tired of this destructive shit that I was doing and, and the fucking shit around me that was collapsing because of that 
that behavior. You know what I'm saying? And I had to be like, let me just. And for me, there was some points where uh, other shit shook me so much that I had to sit still for a minute. Like I couldn't do anything but sit still. And that's winter. Right, where like you've been doing so much, and then winter goes. Yeah, I'm break your, your leg down. to sit you down. Sit your ass down. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. And so, and then you start to feel it, and then you have to go through it, and then even then, it's almost like you it goes through right, and you feel this wave of of sadness and emotion and guilt and all the shit that comes through, and then there is an like a storm, and then there's a there's a momentary of peace just going through it. Not necessarily the answer, because yeah. sometimes it's not an answer. Sometimes it just needs to go through. Sometimes it just needs to flow through and end, right? And I think depression is when you get stuck in that part. Yes, yes, that storm is constant, and you can't see the, you can't, you don't, you're afraid to go through it all the way, to let it in, so you sit in it, and that's the space that you're comfortable with. That sadness is a space that you're comfortable with, and there's no end to it. So you start to dig deeper and deeper and deeper into that storm. Yep. That's it. That's it. And a lot of times, like, therapy and talking to people, and sometimes therapy and talking to people helps you get through it because there's no answer in the therapy. It's only helping yeah. you get through, right? Sometimes it's being around people who love you, who who might or might not understand, but then they're there no matter what. And that helps you just go through it. Even if it's momentarily, you just sit in a, in a sunny space momentarily, helps. And I think the way that this world is set up is that there isn't time for that. That's right. And so That's right. figuring out how to get to the next thing, get to the next thing, get yeah. through to the next thing yeah. is is yeah. the way we cope until we can't. Yeah. And 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 a lot of times that that depression is what the world wants you to be. Like that's the popular thing is to have these you know be in these spaces and not understanding how to navigate your way through it. And mm -hmm. how to pull on, you know, the universe and God to help you through those things. There's, there's, no, there's no talk of that. There's only talk of depression. Now take this medicine. Yeah, I remember the first time I heard a... Um, remember hearing the first time that um, a medication was advertised on TV? It was like, what? Because yeah. that seemed like it was supposed to be such an intimate thing exactly. between you and your physician, and then suddenly it was a commercial. Yeah. And I think at that point I knew, like, we're being marketed this stuff. Like, this isn't legitimately yeah. for yeah. helping us. Like, this right. is a business. <laughs> That's right. And what I think is really cool about you coming on and sharing your experiences, especially from part one of it when you're talking about who you are as a mom and um, and as a woman and all of these things, seeing the contrast of what you struggle with and what you work through um, is a is a beautiful thing. It really is. And it's one of the things that I wanted to make sure that we had an opportunity 
um, to share because you are you are a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful human being. And you get in your head about stuff. But the world sees you as something completely different. What you mean to other people is something completely different. And just sharing your story and the things that you, you know, think about when nobody else is watching and listening helps us love you and see you more. And, you know, I know you're afraid. I don't want to use that word. I know you may not necessarily want certain aspects of yourself to be seen by others, but they're really the things that I think are the most beautiful parts about you. And we're going to love you no matter whether you show them or not. I'm glad I personally have an opportunity to, to see them and to talk to you about them. And I get to share mine with you as well. But, you know, you just coming on here and, and speaking so freely and openly about about this stuff is really uh, is really important because you know everybody ain't Beyonce. Everybody ain't Beyonce. They don't wake up like this. Right. You know, it's it's a motherfucking. We got we put a bunch of shit together. We move a lot of parts and pieces around in order to just show up sometimes. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes that's that's all we got is is being able to show up. Yeah, ain't got the answers. You just show up. And there's beauty in that too. And there's a triumph in that. Yeah. Just being able to be just be human. And I know that you said that you were concerned about the about the book and how do you feel after talking about it in this way, you know, over this period of time? I think um I, I do want it to be out there. I, I want to use it as a tool. Like, as soon as I was done with it, I felt like had I had this story mm. when I needed it most, mm -hmm. I would have had a space to feel like I'm not so alone. Mm. And... I didn't know that that's what I was writing when I wrote it. I didn't even know any of the topics that came up were going to come up. But reading it back and thinking about the story, it's like this was this was this is for someone else. It's obviously for me, but it's not just me. Mm. And there's something that I can do with all of my gifts here. You know, there's the knowledge of this disorder. There's the youth development background. There's the history of family. There's the love story, and there's the trick. And they tell a really powerful story that weaves who I am into this work. And I think it's worthy. I think it's worthy. How are there... Um through your journey of learning about trick and all of that, are, are there some some um, resources that you that you're comfortable with sharing? So there is a site um, it's called Body Focus Repetitive Repetitive Behaviors, um, and BFRBs is the short. And so there's a TLC is a, is a website or an organization. I think that they actually changed their name. But Googling it, well, they'll be one of the first to pop up. And so I've written with them. I've been at a couple of their conferences. I've done some of their um, 
you know, small group setting work. And um, I think they're the biggest one. But I think the main part is just telling our stories. Like every time I've felt good about who I am living with this, it's because I've shared it with some someone and unexpectedly there was a gift in that room for me and someone else. Yep. Yeah, even uh, like sometimes we don't know how it's going to help. Sometimes just being out there, you just never know what what the impact, the level of impact it would have. Absolutely. Just it could just be the smallest turning someone just to pivot them a little bit into a different direction is. And it's like the way we started talking about the teachers. Like you asked exactly. me, did I ever go back and say anything? Because Miss Nolan would have never known. Yeah. You know, and so you, I hear later sometimes like if I write a blog piece, someone will be like. You wrote that for me. You know, like, thank you. And had they not said that, you know, it's not yeah. the gratification. It's like, it's a reminder to keep going, keep yep. pushing, keep working, keep doing it. Yep. Um, Where can they get your book? I don't know. <laughs> when I get it off of my um, my Mac, I'll let you, like, I, I, that's where I am right now. Like, I... I sit with it. I can't edit another word. Like, I, it needs to be out of my hands. I would actually really love to record it as an audio story. So? So I've been working on um, putting together a voiceover reel because I'd like to do voiceover work. And I keep having this thought, like, record this book, record yeah. this book. So, so what the fuck are you waiting on? I will challenge myself to record this book. I'm a challenger. Are you challenging her? I'm in. That'd be dope. Because, like. It, yeah, there's an accountability here. Winter, and I've said this. I said spring. This, yeah, that there's, like, this is where I get stuck. Like, I can have product all day. I can have a project all day. But then, like, how do I do the next thing is where I can get stuck on it. Um, and you, you know, I want to thank you guys for inviting me again. I know I'm the first woman to come on the show. And, um, you know, I've talked about how important and powerful I think this is. And to have sisters and brothers in the same space, just sharing what the life experience is. Commonalities. Yeah. And for you and I, you know, there was a point where, you know, most folks that know us know us as brother and sister. Like, we, like that's just how we refer to each other. And it's always like, are you really? Yeah, are you really, like, biological? Motherfuckers, like, actually yeah. want us to break it down. Or they'll be like, oh, I can see the resemblance. Yeah, you know, and we like, just <laughs> Um, and it's really, and just to be clear, it's really our way, because it really bothers us that people want to get, oh, did y'all used to fuck around, or, yeah. and y'all don't fuck around? Like, well, that's like, what I was going to say. We had to get through a period of, like, every time I showed up to one of your DJ sets, people would be like, she's here again, because <laughs> she, she's stalker girl. And it's I'm annoying. like, no, this is my brother. Yeah. And if they knew what we have been through and what yeah. we've bared witness to for each other's lives, um, it was never a conversation other than like, you show up for me like you've all like you've been there my whole life, and like that's a gift. And so like, I've and I've always had that. I've always had men in my life who there's never been any other react interaction, but like I see you as my brother. And I shouldn't say but because that I think I think we we don't give enough credence to what a friend is. Yeah. You know, when people talk about putting somebody in the friend zone, you're not really putting them in the friend zone. You're yeah. done with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'm yeah. putting you in a friend zone, that's a compliment to our lives, yeah. right? Yeah. And, but we never even had to go there. We've, yeah. We we started off 
in a friend zone. It didn't go. I mean, it was like it it started exactly where it was supposed to be. There was never a push or a test of a boundary. And it's it's like that with all of my genuine female friendships. Like there's obviously ours is unique, but even with the others, it's like oh no, I think I might try to go hit that. Um, let me see, let me see what I'm gonna try to do. It's it's never. And I think it starts off with what we were talking about earlier. Like I see you. Right. And from the moment we met, you know, it was like I see you, and. Sometimes when you're at like base level, right? Like we were going through some stuff, showing up that way and not being with the facade of like I'm good, I'm I'm yeah. you know, I'm I'm going to cover up all and mask all so you can't really see me. We were really vulnerable up front and it was like yeah. this is what you get. Yeah. And you know, when when kismet aligns like that for humans in the world, there's so many gifts there. So thank you for being a gift in my life. Yeah. Likewise. And I thank you, man, for being a gift, bro. That's dope. Like even our friendship hasn't it didn't necessarily start like that. Dude's friendships are so weird. Yeah. And you've had this I mean to like to compliment you, like you struggled with friendships for a while. Like that's a conversation we've had. Like just so for you know, for you and some other the brothers in your life to be this consistent. Like every time yeah. you have the brothers on the show, I would just be like, Oh, there's his boys. Because like watching, you know, you want that for your brother. You want that for people to, that you yeah. love. For them to have that joy and bonding with folks like them, folks who grow them up, yep. right? Folks yeah. that you can you can see the best of yourselves in each other and then pull up the parts that are like, we got to tune some things up here. Yeah, for sure. I like that. For sure. Because we'll be like, you fucking up. Yeah. But yeah. tune some things up sounds yeah, way sounds much better. Yeah, more receptive. Yeah, you can sounds healthier. Yeah, yeah I think so. But I think yeah. we're going to stick with fucking up. Yeah, you fucking up. Because we ain't healthy yet. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Like, where the gutter snipe at, right, though? Right. The gutter snipes, though. <laughs> where them gutter snipes, though? Hey, but I had a thought, though. What if you What if you did your book as just a series of podcasts? If you just read them. On camera? recorded them. Or just no, just audio. Okay. Whew. Just like audio. Every week, you release one whatever. Yeah. Can you, teach like me? Can you tell me how to do that? Well, I, we'll, that's we'll, what I've been thinking. So that's we'll what do. I've been thinking. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. Do you know what you just signed up for? Are you I serious? I, I'm in. Let's do it. So, we'll do it. Let's do it. Let's do and it. And that's a whole different thing. That's, that's not a, even, that's a, Let's do it. Let's do it. Because it's not really an audio book because it's not all at once. That's what a great idea. That's, that you build on like a, like a, it's a fucking. So Remember here's what we're going to like do. Weekly, like by we the fireside stories exactly. that you had to wait for the next we're part going, of it. We're going to, Don't so we could, we could do it in pieces. Okay. And then make it. An audio book because yeah. we're gonna record it. Yeah, we, we just do gonna it right. do it. Yeah, we release it in weeks and pieces, and then once it's all done, now you can look at it's a it's a fucking TV show like a series. See, that's a great idea, dude. Because what I have found is the small steps eventually get somewhere, number one, and then you're constantly proving to yourself that you can do it. Like, I'm not going to die. The world's not going to end. Even though I'm uncomfortable, it's still progress and moving forward. And if it's something, we're going to do it on a regular basis. Do an hour, do an hour, uh, uh, an hour, an hour a week. And by that time, in a 
in a eight week period or whatever it is. Yeah. We'll have eight joints and then we'll do maybe you Yes. That's a good idea though. That's a good idea, Life. Thanks, y'all. That's what I was gonna say. It would have been a blessing coming from you because you have the book and you know me, but you don't. No. But I, and it's a testament to something else. I recognize like, it. I see it. I mean, I, I see it. I appreciate you. I see people wanting to, week after week, wanting to know what happens next in this story because it's intriguing. And I see people wanting to get through all the resolutions and get to the end and, and stay in tune about going back and referencing things from... You know what I'm saying? You could do it like it'll be like a podcast, but it'll be week to week. So you have a description about loosely about what's happening in this episode. And then you just, I mean, that's that's a dope idea. And you got a pretty voice. Yeah, hell yeah. It's, Didn't he just talk about my voice he before did. the camera came? I'm a, I saw her Friday. <laughs> I saw her Friday was out. She had on a goddamn bodysuit, and I'm like, hey. <laughs> She had a bodysuit on. I ain't it never seen this woman with tight. What is happening? That's a lot. See, I call he's it so a... accustomed to like this. Is, I'm gonna tell this story though before we finish. One day, he must have seen me and not recognized me from behind because he told somebody and I turned around. I heard him cuss from across the room. <laughs> you were like, You were no, harassing her. her. You didn't even know you was harassing her. No, he was compliment. Like he was like trying to holler, but he didn't harassing. know it was me. Oh yeah, okay, that's what you. It's not harassing. Yeah, Come it on, bro, you're not oh. putting that out there. Just because no. you compliment a woman don't mean you harassing her. You can't, you yeah, can't contribute to that. No, 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 no. And, like no. a room, like a room, like I was over there. And what did he say? God damn, girl, look at that ass. <laughs> no, I don't even think I knew that part. I when I turned around, I heard his reaction responding to the fact that oh, it, was it was me. me. Like, yeah, oh, I was talking no. to somebody else about you. See that over there. <laughs> <laughs> and I turned around. It was her. I was he like, was God damn. <laughs> I, I had, had to go. I went to I church. I had a regular dress on. I'm curvier than most know because I never show it, and I happen to show it that day. That's all. Made me real. How did we even God. get here? We were talking about my voice. Brother and sister, that's uh you need to go to church, dog. One more, one more, one more, one more. We're gonna let you go after this. So me and a, a mutual friend of ours were going to this club and we, she was meeting. She was meeting us there. Got to tell, especially on on the camera. So we're pulling up to live. We're going to live. Yeah. And there's this car in front of us. You know where you valet in yeah. that parking lot? Yeah. I'm not valet. Where you park in that parking lot? Yeah. There's a car in front of us, and we're like, who? And it's, it's, it's like a minivan. Yeah. And it's got like a bike rack on the back. Mind we're like, you, we're all on the phone, these, and I'm telling you, I'm here. All right. All of these bikes on the back. Like, it's like a fucking family vehicle that's going to the club, right? Right. So me and my homeboy sitting there looking, and we were like, who? Who's, whose car is that? It was a Shay's car with all the minivan, right. with all the of bikes. these bike racks. We took her, it we took the, the bikes the off the bike little, rack, like dog. We riding them around. Little toddler bikes. So you went to the club with the bikes? We were going on? to like a, like somebody was performing that night. and But yeah, I also valeted everybody. I pulled up in the minivan dog. in the front of the... And there was like eight of us in there, and I, they were like, "Are you about to?" And I was like, "Beep!" And the she door opened. The opened. doors open because we were like, "We were trying to ask her because she parked down the block." I am a mother first. That's all. That's funny. You that's guys, all you kids have says. fun. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Stepped out, Gucci flip flops. The point was, <laughs> thank you. We're gonna do this. Stay tuned, internet. <laughs> love you, sis. I love you more. Thank you, man. This is, this is good shit, man. Great. Love you, bro. Love you Thank much. you for the Thank time. You. Yes, sir.
Appreciate it. All right, man. Peace. Peace. Peace.